All right, we're just not even get. We're just hello, welcome to full time with Meg Linehan. Steph Young and I are now in the same physical location in my hotel room in Cincinnati. Uh, if you are watching this video, wherever uh, you might be able to watch this video, you will notice we're in like a suites style hotel. So the lovely hotel kitchen. Steph sent our old group chat a photo of her <laughs> carpet on her floor. I don't enjoy it. Deeply, it's deeply upsetting. It looks like an anatomy book drawing of when you're learning about veins and arteries. <laughs> it's just really unsettling or for a hotel like, carpet. It looks like a Dexter well, scene. put it on. Yeah. yeah. Like, so if you're watching the video, you can see this photo. I don't care for it. There's apparently, like, probably a Reddit group or something for, like, upsetting hotel carpet or something. <laughs> I should submit it. It. I didn't... The door's open. I was like, no. <laughs> Okay, so we're recording this Wednesday evening. I have the funny feeling we're going to be laughing a lot as we record this. Um, you just arrived in Cincinnati because you were at the big announcement for yes. Boston. Um, I noticed that we got a couple requests on Twitter about <laughs> Boston in general as both of us oh. survived the agonies of the Boston Breakers for many years. Um, but first, maybe if since since you have really led our coverage of the Boston expansion team, which you know we knew was incoming, it was reported as part mm -hmm. of the the Utah and Bay FC news back in the day. But what are your main takeaways from what you experienced at City Hall, the the <laughs> shining architectural gem of Boston? First of all, I'm. I'll defend brutalism. I that, architecturally it's not that I don't speaking. love it. It's just, you know, it's a very specific Second vibe. of all, windiest possible day. You might have noticed that anyone with long hair on that stage, if you were watching, was just like constantly like <laughs> poor Mayor Wu did her best to speak with dignity, but it was just a constant. Yeah. Um the takeaways were that I don't know. They, they felt eager, but there's such a long runway, which is great. It's been it's a while. It's the longest runway by a whole... Like, every time right. I read 2026, I'm like, that's not a real year. I know. We... So, you know, the, it's the longest runway we've gotten in a long time between, you know, Kansas City, Angel City, Boston I, City. Yeah. <laughs> so, although we, we all kept looking at each other and going, we'll see you in three years, but it's not actually three years because they're supposed to launch January... 2026 so it's roughly two and a half maybe yeah. less yeah um which doesn't feel any closer but it, it it did it did feel like they were eager but it's so far away that everything feels a little bit vague still mm -hmm. um my sense also is that boston unity is not the team name Good. it is the name of the company so far it may end up as the team name but yeah. i don't believe that's the actual official name of the club yet yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure branding is still yes. also a ways out just in terms of... I will be curious to see if they stick with this color scheme. Yeah, a lot of people were like, they liked the color scheme, but it is very Austin. It is very Austin. Um, the specific green maybe could change, but what I have found fascinating, and this is going to be a very kind of, you know, there is obviously Boston Celtics green. Yes. Right? Um Green is not really a color that we see a lot of in soccer. Just again, I think because of the color of the grass, <laughs> but and just like the actual like physical, yeah. can you see a jersey on grass? But um, 
a lot of speculation also with this new hockey league coming in, the fact that Boston will have a team and all of their graphics were done in this kind of forest green color. Right. So we might actually kind of have this weird wash of like green themed women's teams coming into Boston kind of at the same time. It'd be cool synergy. It's kind of the way Gotham and the Liberty sort of overlap in their palette where oftentimes I'll wear a Liberty shirt and people be like, oh, you're a Gotham fan. I'm like, no, (laughs) should watch the W more. But um, I mean, I am a Gotham fan. Don't get it (laughs) twisted. But (laughs) it's interesting. Yeah, everything feels a little bit they are currently, if you read the article that we published, because we're recording on Wednesday, so it would have been today with Jasmine Robinson over at Monarch Collective about how they're in the process of hiring for a, kind of a chief of staff position who's going to help them then do the rest of the hiring, mm-hmm. right? So maybe find a president and then eventually a general manager, you know, coach. But that's probably much closer, like within a year of launch, yeah. I would say. Yeah. That's... I mean, you can't really hire a coach now and then be no. like, and you're not coaching for no, another two and a half years. It'll be GM first, obviously, right. before right. coach as well. Um, but yeah, that's it, it feels like they've got a lot of marbles rolling down and then we'll kind of see how it plays out. I would bet that we actually don't get a ton of news after this because, again, long so runway. So much time. So much time. I'd say so little time to like get a business up and running, but at mm-hmm. the same time, so much time. Yeah. I mean, it's very different compared to what we have usually, I don't know, I still think about the Houston Dash being announced December 8th, I want to say. This a... league has had a lot of shotgun weddings. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I want to talk to you about the stadium a little bit because this is the one, and I, I said this on Twitter, is that I remain kind of unconvinced by this as... Uh, plan because again the drumbeat of the NWSL has been facilities 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 right there is no training element to the plant like yes they're working on it right but the stadium setup itself is and and if we are to believe Jessica Berman one of the selling points of this expansion bid being selected because it is a public private combination right Okay, I don't even know where to begin, but in terms of the location, I think that there are issues just because in terms of like accessibility is going to be really tough. Parking is going to be really tough. It's not really close to a T station. No, it's off the orange line, which is not the worst thing ever, but it's not necessarily like the most heavily trafficked (laughs) line either. There's there's. The setup with the city, I think, opens up questions, too, of, like, this team is not going to control this venue, and capacity is, what, 11,000? Oh, give or take. Give yeah. or take. And so, 11,000, like, this is actually kind of a fascinating thing for me, because I think in NWSL, a couple of years ago, we would have been, like, 11,000 is perfect. And yeah. now I'm, like, 11,000? Like, aren't you ambitious enough to want to outgrow that? Even 15,000 feels like a better number right. to me. And maybe you can get it to 15, especially yeah. with... I'll get Also, there's a track. <laughs> yes. And they have talked about bringing in, you know, temporary seating to cover the track on game days, that sort of thing. It just feels so NWSL 1.0. I know. Um, okay, so there's a lot going on here. I do think if we're going to talk about infrastructure being a win, they should have made Jessica Berman come into Boston and try to get to... <laughs> Like, they should have dropped her at a random location on the other side of the river, right? On the red or the green line and been like, 
you have less than an hour to get to the stadium. Go. That's actually a great... That, to me, like, if you're evaluating a new market... Yeah. Yeah. That's a great test. You and your staff should go to the location and be like, we all have to... We're going to start off at different points in the city, and we have to navigate our way there. The closest station is, I think, Stony Brook, which is about half a mile. Not like if you adjust up. It's a solid half a mile away. Which, you know... That's a decent walk. I mean... You and I are hustlers, right? So we're like, oh, half a mile. (laughs) You can park anywhere there. That's great. But, you know, it's not going to be any any barrier. If you're dealing with two kids. Right. Do you want to walk half a mile in July? Or you have a a sprained ankle. Or you're, you know, disabled or anything. And, you know, it's still cold. Season starts in March. Yeah. Sometimes the city's not great about clearing the sidewalks. Or the owners aren't anyway. Yeah. But... Yep. So many things in Boston, you know, and there was a public meeting that they had to have because it is a public-private mm-hmm. partnership. That is on YouTube, by the way. It's on YouTube. You can watch a bunch. <laughs> it's almost Parks and Rec at some point <laughs> or like a bunch of like disgruntled locals. I scanned locals. through it and it was honestly like, it is pure public. Like pure meeting. Roxbury yeah. to make a plane. You know? yeah. like, but they have valid points there. Like if you look at the proposal, they're going to add, assuming a full stadium, about 2,000 vehicles at peak time, which includes rideshare, so taxis, lifts, and Ubers coming in and leaving. But, you know, an extra 1,000 vehicles in that area, if you went to any Roxbury JB person around that part and you're like, can this place handle an extra 1,000 vehicles driving around? It can barely handle the vehicles and the buses it has. (laughs) needs more bus lanes, more bike lanes. Someone honestly had a valid point about, like, this could disrupt migratory patterns for birds who use the park. You know, about the place is a natural place because there's an p- additional proposal to transform part of it into the Grove. Yeah, the kind of like directly adjacent. Right, so like, like yes. a fan event area right, right outside, which in theory sounds cool, but again, encroaches on the parkland itself for people who just want to like go leaf peeping. New Englanders yeah. love leaf peeping, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it, I think it's telling that every pe- person who lives here, I think was instantly a little bit skeptical Part of that is just... I was going to say, that's partially just Boston. Right. Where it's like, oh, you're going to fix the tea? (laughs) Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I... I, And I don't... Just, again, like, having lived through the stadium choices of the Boston Breakers (laughs) over the years, right? Like, Nickerson, to me, was always the best venue that right that happened throughout the span of that right the best <laughs> the, of a not great lot right. i mean harvard obviously i think harvard had a lot of selling points in that you could get to it easily you're near students you're near just like life in general um but obviously the facilities around harvard not nearly good enough um, but it, you know, it had some parking, right? Some like, parking. <laughs> some part, but like you can yeah. usually get a parking spot on it. Like if you got there three hours early, yes, yeah. you could get a parking spot. Although that part of the city is being revitalized. It's kind of being, yeah, you know what they mean by revitalized. There's a Trader Joe's there now. That place used to be a no man's land between like actual places people live, True. like Lower Alston. Yes. And now. Yeah. Yeah. Trader Joe's. Yeah. Um, just in terms of, you know, I have kind of seen, I, I popped off on Twitter about it a little <laughs> bit, just like, but the, the failure of the Boston Breakers, right? And this was at a point where I was still working for the league when this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that there has maybe been a little bit of 
maybe revisionalist history around why the breakers fell apart. And I mean, what I find really interesting is that we have seen, you know, a couple, like when we look at expansion across the NWSL over the past few years, and you think about Kansas City current coming back in, mm-hmm. Utah coming back in, now Boston coming back in, like mm-hmm. these are markets that everybody was like, ah. Utah, to be fair, like that situation was very different. But FC Kansas City, right? Like everybody's like, well, you tried it in, in Kansas City and it didn't really work. And now, like you look at KC Current and you're like, oh, they, oh, they had a better business plan. Yeah, they're smart. They're and so, like, better. yeah, there is this sense of, you know, I saw a lot of comments that were just like, it didn't work the first time. It's not going to work this time. Blah, blah blah. And like Boston again is a very different market than Kansas City. Did you, was there any conversation in terms of like the new ownership group being like, we've looked at the previous attempts <laughs> and we learned things or was it really just like we've watched our, because, you know, I also think there's this hope too, that the Boston Breakers name comes back. And I have kind of been saying all along, like, I honestly hope it doesn't like you have to close that chapter. Yeah. Um, I think that IP is a little too loaded now. For good or for bad, uh, and needs to be a fresh start, new name, new team, new money, new yep. ownership group. I think, um, you know, maybe some of them might have honestly poked around before and then seen that was kind of a hot mess the way it was collapsing <laughs> like a flan in a cupboard, right? <laughs> yeah. And this is back when operating costs were honestly probably like two to four million dollars a year. Yes, for the team. Yeah. Um, maybe five at the high end. And that's just not feasible anymore, which is great, right? Because it means people are getting paid. They're having to pay for facilities, having to pay for advertising. I was always bugging them. Like, did you have any demographic data on your audience? And it was like, no, maybe we're getting it. And I'm like, what, <laughs> what are you not, doing? It was just like endless. And we, <laughs> there were many, many Breakers games where it was like legitimately the two of us there. Like, right? Like, right. We, we, we have been through it. <laughs> right. With this, and it's just, you think about what the NWSL was like at that point, and what, honestly, what you could get away with. Right. Right. In terms of cutting corners, cutting costs, that sort of thing. And now, again, how, like, what is the overall investment from this new group? 100 million? It's got to be, right? Because they, you've got the expansion fee, which is 50 million plus. Yeah. Like, whenever you bring up 50 million, someone in the room goes, like, shakes their head and they're like, go yeah, on, it's, go it, it's at least 53. Yeah. Um, and they're searching for $30 million in equity to f- at least to fund this stadium renovation in addition to $10 million that the city itself is earmarked because, quite frankly, White Stadium has needed it for a long time. And I'm going to get to that in a second about the public-private partnership. And then, obviously, they're going to have all these other startup costs around just... Actually building a business. Yeah. Right. And they uh, have to have a practice facility as well, where I thought Jennifer Epstein said something interesting in the Zoom availability after the announcement where it might have just been, she didn't actually mean it this way, but she's like, and we're going to build a practice facility. And I was like, where? Build? <laughs> build where? <laughs> what do you mean by, like, build could mean something different. Right. She might not actually mean, like, finding land, breaking ground, and being like, Michelle Kong's like, I want 80 acres in Washington, D.C. Yeah, right. Right. Um, but I, like, overall, right now, it is a huge dub, I think, for the city of Boston. Like we mentioned White Stadium has needed a refurb for a long time. There was a fire there fire, yeah. yep. a few years ago that like rendered parts of it unusable. It's just kind of crumbling. 
And when they call it like a jewel of the emerald necklace, they're not wrong. It should be, Mm -hmm. right? This should be a great resource. And I think now it will be a great resource eventually for Boston Public School students. Although there was a fair point brought up in that public meeting about how other nice facilities, like sometimes the local students who tend to be, you know, poor, more urban, which also tends to be not as white, you know, more students of color, are getting locked out of using nicer facilities. Like you see buses from schools from more suburban, wealthier, whiter neighborhoods all coming in. So how can we prevent that kind of situation mm-hmm. with a white stadium? Fair question. We'll see. But um, I do think it's a big dub for the city where they're like, oh, these people are going to pay for it <laughs> and they're not even going to own the premises. Yeah. <laughs> and they're not even leasing all the premises. The proposal is they'll lease the West Grandstand, which they're going to pour a lot into to have facilities, locker rooms, rooms yeah. you know, offices, concessions, stuff like that. And then the field and the East Grandstand, which is where the BPS facilities will mostly be located, they will license for game days and possibly one practice a week before each game day. Yeah. I mean, there's there's obviously time to see how this plays out, but it is definitely a fascinating... I, again, like, it's just... Does it line up with everything else that we've heard around facilities and infrastructure right. during this expansion search? I Is this the only way you can feasibly do it in the city of Boston? I mean, that that's a fair point. Like, think about that's the revs a, and the crafts. And yeah. every single year, Lucy <laughs> yeah. with the football being like, this is the year. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then it doesn't happen. Right? All right. And, it, and I think this is a good shift to our next topic because I want to talk to you about the Chicago Red Stars because it has been a while since we've recorded. And obviously, you know, I talked to Laura Ricketts, the new majority controlling owner of the Red Stars, and this is another major city, right? Like, yeah. same kind of thing, asking her about SeatGeek Stadium, which is honestly, arguably the worst stadium experience of the NWL right now. Wow, spicy. I mean, not do that you, spicy. But. Do you have an alternative pick? Just in terms of, like, trying to get there. Like, I think once you're at SeatGeek, it's generally okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's like, true. But, like, in terms of being an accessible place for most normal fans to, like, go watch a game, right. SeatGeek is not it. No. I was thinking about, like, maybe Carrie, but, like, if you're there visiting, you have a rental car anyway. Yeah, exactly. So, like, like it's fine. Yes. And, uh, like, that stadium's pr- like, for me there, it's just usually been always the weather. <laughs> Whenever we're in North Carolina, I'm always like, cool, thunderstorms, great. Right. Um, yeah, so I think SeatGeek is not, like, a sustainable solution. I think she knew that when we, when we talked. But this is obviously a team where they are currently last right at the moment in the NWSL standings. I mean, the NWSL standings, we'll get to this in a couple of minutes. The NWSL standings right now are just... <laughs> bonkers from top to bottom but you know there is this sense of Laura Ricketts coming in not via expansion right but via a takeover and knowing I basically have to build something from scratch here my question for you is you know because we're talking about the Boston Breakers and that history does the door need to close on the Chicago Red Stars as a concept because i think this is some and this is something that i'd like to talk but like again i kind of was like i have so many questions for you i don't even want to get into Mm -hmm. but you talk about the breakers having all this history both kind of good and bad their red stars are a team i think now especially 
one of the one of the things that I found most reassuring about Laura Ricketts is she herself called the Red Stars a distressed asset, which had basically been my nickname over <laughs> the past year for that team, right? Of knowing the sale process for Chicago is such a different vibe than Portland, than the rain. Mm-hmm. There is so much, like this is now kind of the longest running team historically in the U.S. on the women's side. Right, WPSL elite. Right, like- like they they have managed to kind of keep this thing continuously running for longer than anyone else. But I don't and like the Red Stars truly like that is a good brand. Yeah. But it has not necessarily broken through in the right like right. this is now kind of your chance to be like what is working what isn't. Right. It's interesting because it's not obviously bad like Sky Blue FC as a brand where people are like, is that an insurance company? Like, (laughs) what is that? And so rebranding to Gotham, everyone everyone heaves a sigh of relief. Like, that, the logo and the branding, it's so visually strong. Yeah. Well, and now they've also come up with Go Bats, which is like, again, like this kind of natural extension where there is this ownership, too, coming out of it. With the Breakers, that brand and IP kind of being a millstone around your neck, though, it, it's also because the team was bad. Yeah, that's true. And the, the Red Stars have not The always... team has not... They were a playoff team. Yeah. They were a finalist team. At a point... At one point in their history, you were like, yeah, of course the Red Stars should make the playoff every season. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, recently, that's... Right. I mean, to, to be fair. Various like, reasons. For... But... Uh, yeah, one of the major projects that Laura Ricketts has to come in is is this team has not been allowed to go out and acquire players. Right. And instead was just active, like they lost their entire midfield yeah. in free agency. Yeah. Because why why would you stay in Chicago at that point? Right. right? So now there is this chance of like, you have Mal Swanson to build around. Mm-hmm. Like there is, there is a star player to build around who will be back. Right. You're in an amazing market. Um, a lot of times I think people don't remember as much, like it matters where you live. And so New York will appeal to some people, LA will appeal to others. And some people are like, yeah, I can live in Kansas city or Louisville, like with immense respect to those cities, particularly their culinary traditions. (laughs) But like, it takes a different kind of mindset to like thrive in a smaller city or like a different part of the United States you know, no matter whether it's like, I can't deal with the big city or like, I can't deal with the Midwest, whatever. And so Chicago is a really attractive market for a lot of people because, you know, it has a lot to offer. So they have so many checks that you're like, yeah, someone who's competent with the right funding mm-hmm. and like the right willpower should be able to attract talent. something. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Chicago's going to be a really interesting story to watch. I mean, obviously, we're going to be there in a couple of days. um, And it is always really interesting to see, like, I'm going to be very curious to see what presence the Red Stars have Mm -hmm. at a national team game. Again, it's also in Soldier Field, right? So it's, we're going to be, like, right downtown. There's an ability to kind of try to capture that audience. Um, I'm assuming it's going to be a big crowd, as it is Megan Rapinoe's final game. Um... So there is a there is a chance for the Red Stars to maybe make a big splash and be like, hello, like allow us to reintroduce ourselves here at this moment. Yeah. So 
All right, let's let's um, move quickly into NWSL playoffs before we get in. I, it's just literally everything is happening. I feel like we got back from the World Cup and it was just immediately like nonsense. Um, and yeah, nonsense. Women's soccer league is the vibe of this playoff. I mean, eleven points. We have we have the the standings pulled up so we can literally look at them live. Thorns currently in first place, thirty two points. Mm-hmm. Wave thirty. Gotham thirty. <laughs> Courage 28, Rain 27, Spirit 26. That's the six playoff teams. Mm-hmm. Spirit are in a very weird deal right now. Let's hold on. Okay. <laughs> Pride 25, Angel City 25, Racing 24, Dash 23, Current 22, Red Stars 21. 11 points, top to bottom, first season ever that every team has scored at least 20 points. Like, I had someone ask me today at U.S. national team training, Meg, who's winning the championship, and I was just like, there is literally, like, girl, you tell me. (laughs) This is why every time, like, I used to get asked, like, oh, can we run, like, a betting column? Like, and I'm just like, in what, what sane person bets money on this league? No. (laughs) Why would you ever do that to yourself? Yeah, if someone tried to ask me for expertise, I'd be like, to do what? Lose you a lot of money? <laughs> yeah. No. Even when people ask for like just predictions, like as someone who watches the league, and I'm like, listen, man, the more you watch this league, the more you understand to not ask for predictions. Like, yeah. In general, yes. Right? You can look at something like the Thorns, like they have they've been doing very well, continuity of roster, they've mm-hmm. looked good on the field, mm-hmm. versus an obvious case like the Red Star is really struggling. It feels like that whole locker room is just like really just trying to push through to the end of the season and and then but also there's something about like being a spoiler too yeah who doesn't love you know i mean that was like the boston breakers entire mo for the entire back half of most seasons was like oh you'd like to be on the playoffs Mm." so would we (laughs) (laughs) so you get weird situations though like the spirit are technically above the cutoff line but they're a minus three goal differential right now (laughs) yeah yeah i mean it is it is just a very I don't and and you know the dash firing Sam Lady and trying to make this late playoff push. Mm-hmm. Uh, Red Stars have gotten a real bounce from new ownership. It feels like like mm-hmm. there have been some results coming. Current obviously getting that kind of massive super needed win. Just like even in terms of pure morale, right? Like yeah, everyone looking at the current and the way that they built that roster at the start of the year, like the current were. It's like, oh, you love... So lo- ambitious. So right. ambitious. I was, like, really... Like, I love it. I love the ambition. Yes. And then this season has happened, and it's just kind of like, oh, all right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah it, it is just... I don't even know how to talk about it, because, again, like, to try to think about how this is going to play out is you just, A, we can't predict anything, but one of the things I'm looking forward to is going to Seattle for the October 6th game for Meg Rapinoe's kind of final home game, which now the the fun plot twist here is that the Rain are opening up additional seating mm-hmm. and gunning for the single game attendance record because they're like, hello, Lumen Field, whatever number of seats that is. Right. Like, Absurd. Yeah, there is a real potential here to have that be. And it has massive playoff implications. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
I don't, I don't know. I don't want to think about it anymore. <laughs> this is hard. Gotham, I mean, Gotham has a real shot of Esther Gonzalez and her yes. de- like, home Although, debut. I want to say with apologies to Esther Gonzalez, because it, it was important that she scored. It was great. The defending on those goals was a little, it was a little bit like as gentle a welcome as possible that you can yes. get, get entering yeah. into yourself, especially as a European player, because as we've seen, whenever Euro players come here, a lot of times they're just like, <laughs> is it really transitionally? I mean, yeah. You know? They're like, right. fucking hell, man. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to use that yeah. word anymore. We are. It's fine. All right. Um, all right. So, NWSL, we'll put a pin on that and come back to it when things... I don't... All I'm hoping for, honestly, is like mass chaos decision day, which yeah. is honestly going to make our lives more difficult. Yes. But I would prefer it just from, because like I think we've been rooting for a decision day for so long yes. and now we actually have a decision day and it was decent last year and this year it's uh, I want chaos. <laughs> like I, I the shield decided on the final day, playoff spots decided on the t- like give yes. it all to me because that is a delightful concept. Yes. I want chaos. So side note, um First of all, Meg's notes for this on this section literally do just say chaos. <laughs> yeah. Second, um, sorry to my wife, but when she was a kid, because she had only ever read the word chaos, she thought it was pronounced chaos. So whenever I see NWSL chaos, that's all I think now. Chaos. Chaos. Like pretty good, good yeah. guess for when you're like eight or nine, right? Right. And then decision day, I think is October 15th. Yep. It's a Sunday. It's in my little Google calendar. <laughs> <laughs> it's 5 p.m. Eastern time or 6 p.m. Eastern time. Are we Central time? Here no, we're Eastern. Eastern. Yeah. The joys of, of Ohio. This part of the country has always been like, oh, are we actually landing in Kentucky and we have to go back over into Cincinnati or? Yeah, we land in Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the joys of the CBG. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, October 15th. Put it in your calendar. 5 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah. I don't know how we're actually going to watch all why, why not i mean yeah. at most you and i can like dual screens so that's four yeah i do wonder like we've been campaigning for decision day i think now we have to like really quickly start a campaign for a whip around show <laughs> like that's actually what so like cbs paramount Plus. it's really like nwsl please pay extra money right for like can we even just like on twitter live like just help us manage the nonsense so right yeah, right. but October fifteenth, and then yeah, it's it's everything is happening all the so same much, time. So yeah. much happens all the time. All right, let's talk U.S. Women's National Team real quick. Um, again, we are here in Cincinnati for game number one at TQL Stadium. What have you been to TQL? Probably, but I don't think it was it's named new. TQL. Well, it's new. Oh, okay, so, relatively. Yeah, actually, no. Um, I was here in 2021, I think, for the team's first game here. Oh. It's been mostly the men's national teams. A lot of things have blended together yeah, in the past fair. 18 months. That's fair. Um, all right, so Cincinnati. So what is interesting about this camp and what I think we tried to talk to players about today a little bit was just like the vibe of this week is very strange because you have tomorrow's game – Today's game, maybe by the time this gets published, um, Thursday's game <laughs> is Julie Ertz's send-off game. Yep. Sunday is Megan Rapinoe's send-off game. So you're balancing the emotions of these. And, like, Julie Ertz, after this game, is, like, legitimately, like, bye, see you. Like, I'm, I'm leaving camp, whatever, I'm done. Right. Um, 
So you have the emotions of those two send-offs. We have all of these new or returning players in the camp. Sam Coffey's back, right? Tierna Davidson is back. Casey Kruger, Mia Fischel, Jaden Shaw. Shout out to M.A. Vignola. Yeah. Like, great job. Right. So there is this strange, you know, a lot of things are happening. There's no permanent head coach yet. Twyla Kilgore in as interim head coach, also PS at today's press conference. Twyla legitimately had her opening statement about Julie Ertz and then did not get another single question because it was basically the Julie Ertz show, <laughs> which makes sense also right. as an interim, right? Like there's not necessarily... No, her first press conference was very a lot of purred happily answers yeah. that were almost like, are like our job is to play soccer. We play soccer. It's a tough position right. to be in. We right? win games by scoring more Especially goals. Especially like other, yeah. after that World Cup. Right. Where it's like, am I a placeholder? Do I want this job? Who else? Like, what is this an evaluation? Yeah, it's it's an interesting time. Um I, I do want to talk about Julia Arts just for a minute, just because um at the game where she was about to earn her 100th cap, there were a lot of like big emotions, right? Like I asked her, like, how do you feel about this 100th cap celebration? And she almost broke into tears. Um, that was not the vibe of today. Like mm-hmm. she said, I've had nothing but time to reflect. And yeah. so I think there is kind of this peace at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I have been really struck by is just, I think the real theme around what Julia Ertz brought to this team, and Naomi Gurma talked about it today, is her attention to detail. Mm. Like, her work ethic, her attention to detail, but the way that she will break plays down and figure out, like, the single step that the the back line should have made mm. in order to play better. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the answers that I was really struck by with Julia Ertz today is that, you know, Lakin Lippman was like, who do you think will kind of take your place? And Julius literally dropped a comparison as the thief of joy. Um, with <laughs> She was just like, everyone has to kind of take up their own space and have their own journey. Yeah. And what has been really interesting is that we have spent kind of the past couple of years saying like, there is no one like Julia Arts. Yeah. This was something I saw uh, Tamara Griffin posted on Twitter about how there was a pause where she's like, it's not because mommy can't play anymore. <laughs> yeah. Mama can still play. And I was like, yeah, we watched the World Cup, Julie. You were you were trucking out there still. Yeah. Um, which was a little bit of a surprise because we just hadn't had much data leading up to it, right? When yep. she jumped back into the pool feet first. And played center back every minute of the World Cup. Like, right. And she and Naomi Guillermo looked great. Yes. And I was like, oh, we could have had... <laughs> Well, uh, anyway, um, but yeah, I, but that I think that's maybe part of the peace part where she's like, I saw everything I needed to see out of myself. Like, obviously, she's had she talked when she came back about how she and Zach had like these real state of the union conversations about their lives and their family and the end of their careers because yeah. they're both a little bit, you know, on on that yeah. downslope. And yeah, I guess when you have, what, nearly two years, something like that, to process it, you just go through it and you're like, yeah, I yeah. I already pro- I pre-processed it. <laughs> I, I'm doing the thing that I processed over. Yeah. Bye. Yep. Yeah. Megan Rapinoe, on the other hand, I think, it is, it's interesting to kind of have these two send-offs back-to-back because obviously these are two players that have been very heavily involved in the team for a decade plus. Um What's funny, Julie Arts could not 
<laughs> could not actually quantify the number of years she's played for the national team today. Um, but there is kind of the sense of like Megarpino is going to, that's going to be kind of an event, right? Mm-hmm. And so to have Julie Arts kind of have this kind of quiet, thoughtful send off and then like knowing that we're going to have like the Pino show, right? And, and that almost is kind of a reflection of these two players. Like Julie always kind of has had her head down and just been like, yeah, I got to do the work. And Pino has been able to kind of be that larger than life person. But yeah, Sunday's going to be an interesting, interesting day, I think. I can't even, I don't know. There's going to be so many feelings. And I also with her Pino, it feels different because with Ertz, you can see, to her point, mommy can still play, right? (laughs) I think with Megan Rapino, we can see and she knows for sure that like really physically it's time for her to Yeah. To be to, fair, there's a pretty big age difference between the There two is of big them. age difference. Yeah. Yes. But um I think like you can feel like sometimes your body just starts to lose elasticity or whatever. Yeah. The youths out there, you'll understand this. <laughs> Ten or fifteen years. Your knees just are never the same. No. <laughs> like things crack. Yeah. All the yeah. time. Um, and so, yeah, you can tell there's feeling so that probably brings its own peace. But I wonder if, like, conversely, it doesn't because you're like, everything else is still sharp. And if my body would just let me, I would yeah. keep going as long as I could. But it's not it's out of my hands. It's been taken completely out of my hands. My leg just doesn't want a leg anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah. that that's for her to, like, privately dwell on, I guess. Yeah. Um. This is also, I mean, it's a good opponent. Mitch Purse today talked about how South Africa, I think, is a good test for them and mm-hmm. what they kind of need that the team knows that has to advance tactically, especially following that World Cup. Again, like, we're in such a weird time right now because it does still feel like, even as the transition is happening, that we are in limbo because we don't know who the head coach is going to be, right? And that there is such a compact time frame between these games, October friendlies, and then the Olympics. Mm -hmm. And I think there is going to be a very real fear that the team is kind of like, are they advancing at the rate that they need to advance? And I I think it's just going to be hard to know until we actually see these two games and figure Mm -hmm. out, like, where are we at right now? I always think about, so (laughs) stick with me. Remember Linsanity? Yeah. And people would be like, you know, how long can Jeremy Lin keep this up? And it's in the general conversation about how, like, streaks always end, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're, you always regress back to the mean. And I think the United States, their mean is higher than a lot of other teams. But they can't always sustain this, like, mega number one ultimate champion thing forever, right? There's going to be ups and downs and... Um, you know, I, I'm sure they would argue like, no, 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 we're like all <laughs> like screw your mean. <laughs> I want to win, and yeah. I'm like, that's what makes you who you are. But I think this being an adjustment period, we had one before, and came out of it into 2011. Yep, in that whole era, 11, 15, I also 19. like I kept I thought about this the other night. Like I kept, I keep referring to kind of the odds as like, oh, you know, like it, there was that big gap right between 99, obviously, and yeah. And, but also they won so many gold medals. <laughs> At that time I'm always like, okay, but it's not like they weren't. I like no, to me yeah. 2007, right, was kind of that like gut punch mm-hmm. tournament, but mm-hmm. then also they won the gold in 2008 and like yeah. here I am being like, oh, the 
the late aughts, rough time. And I'm like, wait, they won gold. Right. Like, the breakout of Angela Hughley's as a player. Right. The doldrums were really only, like, 9, 10-ish, it feels like to me. They yeah, had when to they that. almost didn't qualify yes. for 2011. Yes. It required the le- the playoff leg. Also, like, Alex Morgan nearly got getting taken out Yes, in that qualifier. Yeah. Yeah. A fun thing about that playoff leg is apparently a lot of the players on the team, we might have talked about it before, they didn't know it was a playoff situation. So the first game, I think they lost or tied or something like that. I think it was a draw. Draw, Yeah, and they were like, oh, shucks, we didn't make it. And then someone was like, no. (laughs) It's like a home and away playoff leg. We have another shot. And they were like, oh, someone used to tell us these things. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, I do... I don't know. It's going to be an interesting journey to 2024 Olympics. Just again, because we know so little (laughs) about kind of like the state of the sporting department in general. Matt Crocker is here in Cincinnati. uh, Gooch is as well. Um, I think we're hoping to have a a little time in Chicago with folks from U.S. soccer just to, to kind of get that better sense because what was kind of funny is like at the World Cup, they get knocked out and, you know, we're, we get told like, okay, there's there's going to be this call. Like we can kind of all download together mm-hmm. and then that doesn't happen. <laughs> then it doesn't happen. And then Flacco exits and then there's no call about that. I, like, so it's the information has not been there. And then when there is a void, people tend to fill it with whatever they think. There is not really a ton of information on the U.S. soccer board meeting that um, hopefully none of you sat through. Um, we're paid to do it. I would not ever watch these if I was not paid to do it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, we are kind of still waiting. I, I definitely have plenty of questions for U.S. soccer about, like, what they're what they're looking for, who they're, you know, who they might be talking to. Not that I think they'll ever tell us who they're talking to but you know there's obviously i i don't think that there's a favorite a favorite or like a you know vaco kind of felt at the time right mm-hmm. that he was the the chosen one right this, this like, is the cycle with every coach too where like you talked about revisionist history earlier like people are acting like he didn't come into this team with everyone just like oh a huge sigh of relief, especially. Well, I, after- I mean, like I went back and I reread comments from that first series of games that he coached, and Carly Lloyd is out here being like, "I've, I'm so happy, right? right. Like, right, we're gonna get real development yeah. as individuals and as a team. There's gonna yeah. be a focus on tact, like all of the things that kind of like slowly went wrong, were all the things that he had been hired for. So there is kind of the sense of like, yes, like. It was not a bad hire. Could a decision have been made sooner than what it actually ended up being? Sure. Right. And that, like, that it, to me is the thing that can be debated. But here, you know, we don't know maybe the final couple of candidates. Like, there's no there's no one kind of being like, okay, it's between right. but Laura cycle, Harvey like, and, well, you know, like... Greg Ryan going out or, like, Pia Santaga. I, I don't think she left on quite as bad. Like, yeah. she's too likable. But, like, you know, P.S. Sondaga leaves, Jill Ellis comes in, and then Jill, like, goes out to the point where, like, that poor woman on Twitter at Jill <laughs> had to have, like, a specific comment. Like, pin, pin tweet of, like, I am not Jill Ellis. Yeah. Thank you. Specifically, because she got mixed up with a lot of other famous Jills. But, like, for some reason, the women's national team fandom was the one that was always, yes. like, trying yeah. to pin her for the crimes of her yep. alternate. 
And then Jill goes out, Blacko comes in, he comes out. I'm sure whoever comes in next. Yeah, there's this great hope. But as soon as, you know, like there's a single roster with one player getting left off, like. Right. Or it is, to me, you have to be built differently to want that job. Like in both very good ways and ways that I. I actively am just like, I do hope that U.S. soccer provides mental counseling. Right. Because it's just, I I think, you know, and Vlaco talked a lot about this in the interview I did with him of like, you you cannot read outside criticism. And that to me, I think, was the thing that made the most sense when he said it of just, I have to know that I'm making my own decisions and the people that I'm talking to in the room that I like have the opinions that I trust, right? This is a job that obviously has massive expectations, a massive profile, (laughs) and then massive consequences if it starts to go sideways. Yes. And you have like you have to be built differently to want to take that on. Right. And even if you are built differently, I can't imagine any coach for this team not having many sleepless nights, just lying there being like, God, what if this you know, this goes wrong, yeah. or this goes wrong, or they're going to hate me, or, like, they do hate me, or, like, things did go wrong, the Olympics. God, after the Olympics, like, I mean, yeah, we, again, we had the benefit of hindsight, but you could tell, like, the coaching staff freaked out after yep. the Olympics. Who wouldn't? Right. Right. And then the problem was they couldn't seem to ever find their way out of the freak out. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, so you didn't get that 2016 to 2019 kind of like, oh, We've learned this, yes. right? Like, and that was the yes. big question coming out of the, the the Tokyo Olympics was like, what have they learned from this? And then instead of maybe like going forward, right, and like having a proactive, instead it right. was kind of this reactionary, like, oh, we've got to kind of like I got to stick to what I know. Yes, yes, right. And so that, like, again, that is the easier part to see now. Yeah. Like, that is so much easier to see now. And that was the question in the moment of, there's something wrong with this team. <laughs> we, like, we are not there, but, like, we know that there is something wrong with this team. This is not how they play. This is not this is not them, right? right? And then to have that kind of exact same thing happen in the World Cup until the final game where, again, like, I don't know if we're ever going to get, like, the true story of those two tournaments, right? Because, again, like, there also is not one story there's 23 there's 20 well 24 minimum right right like everyone else that's kind of around right so yeah there's just i don't know i don't know where we're where we're heading yet like that's kind of the fun of both trying to think about it in a in a nuanced way in the moment while knowing that you do not have most of the information in hand. Right. Um, I think about, so I just spoke to Alex Chidiak, another plug for an article that went up today that we're recording where she, you know, talked uh, kind of through processing the World Cup as uh, with the Matildas and that crazy run through the semifinal. But she was, you know, right to point out her way of processing is not going to be the same as everyone else's. She was primarily used as a substitute. She mm-hmm. didn't play, you know, a ton. Um and then you have on the opposite end of the spectrum someone like Caitlin Ford, who played a ton. I think she's now, what, on the Blondor shortlist as well. Mm-hmm. And she was asked to carry a lot of burdens and, like, having to step up in Sam Kerr's absence. Or even Sam Kerr herself, where, like, she's used to being one of the people that the team has to rely on and is, like, held out. 
for injury. You know? yeah. So there's so many different journeys that are happening all at the same time. And everybody is going through their own stuff and yet also expected to all pull in the same direction at the same time. That's a crazy job to have to manage all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone doesn't learn the same way. It, yeah. It's just, it is a big... If you've ever even been a teacher, <laughs> I wasn't like a straight up teacher. I was like... Uh, you know, summer teacher or like counselor or like TA, even at that level, like trying to handle a classroom of different abilities, different mm-hmm. levels, like, and trying to get them all to the same place at the same time. Ooh. Yeah. All right. I had listed Spain question mark as our final topic, but we've already been going for like f- almost 50 minutes. So I feel like we'll hold off on that. Also, just because that is changing day to day rapidly rapidly um and i feel like there's probably going to be plenty to talk about um so we'll we'll hold on to that for a little bit um i do want to end us on the fact that we are going to experience skyline chili (laughs) on this trip so send your thoughts and prayers (laughs) no no no. shut up i love skyline chili don't listen to her don't listen to her skyline Oh, I can't wait to like look at your glistening spaghetti five way with the onions and the chili. Actually, I'm probably gonna have some cheese conies. I did tell you I was gonna. Yeah. Like how many conies can I like, eat? I think we're gonna have to eat it before the game. Just do- for, t- for I've timing done w- purposes. I've done worse right before a game. <laughs> okay. On that note, uh, we will be obviously live <laughs> here. Uh, for game coverage, we'll be in Chicago, and then it's back to NWSL nonsense. But I'm sure we will have another episode, probably Chows. before, just while we're we're both in the same place. You know, can't hurt. Ciao, ciao.